Welcome to the Kotke Ride Home for Thursday, April 1st, 2021. I'm Jackson Bird. Could humans evolve to be venomous? The man currently walking from Washington, D.C. to New York City and tweeting all the way. The Hamilton Space Jam mashup you never knew you needed. A brief roundup of corporate April Fool's Day pranks we definitely didn't need. And Chipotle is running a burritos and Bitcoin contest that is miraculously not an April Fool's Day prank. At least, I think. Here are some of the cool things from the news today. A new study has shown that, technically speaking, humans could one day evolve to become venomous creatures. The new study, just published in the Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences, looked into how oral venom glands evolved in animals writ large, finding that, quote, oral venom systems likely originated from a gene regulatory network conserved across amniotes. End quote. Amniotes meaning animals whose embryos develop within an amnion, so birds, reptiles, and mammals. There are thousands of venomous animal species, from snakes and spiders to slow lorises, the only known venomous primate, and they often use venom in different ways, so it's tough to study venom in general, and also that diversity makes it pretty exciting that the researchers have found one common genetic ancestor for oral venom systems. Quoting Popular Mechanics, The scientists studied the group of several thousand genes that are found to be expressed in tandem with venom release in animals with venom glands. They found the same genes and physical mechanisms were at work in plain old saliva glands in other animals. And from the study, quote, We found that overall venom gland gene expression was surprisingly well conserved when compared to salivary glands of other amniotes. We characterized the metavenom network, a network of about 3,000 non-secreted housekeeping genes that are strongly co-expressed with the toxins and are primarily involved in protein folding and modification, end quote. In other words, as Popular Mechanics explains, quote, basically the saliva glands are serving up empty bowls and the venom glands are serving up bowls full of poison. The missing piece isn't in genes or mechanism, but in the contents of what is being released from the glands, special proteins, end quote. And from Live Science, quote, In other words, every mammal or reptile has the genetic scaffolding upon which an oral venom system is built. And humans, along with mice, also already produce a key protein used in many venom systems. Calocrines, which are proteins that digest other proteins, are secreted in saliva. They're also a key part of many venoms. That's because calocrines are very stable proteins, said Brian Fry, a biochemist and venom expert at the University of Queensland who is not involved in the research. And they don't simply stop working when subjected to mutation. Thus, it's easy to get beneficial mutations of calocrines that make venom more painful and more deadly. One effect of calocrines is a precipitous drop in blood pressure. It's not coincidental that calocrine is the most broadly secreted type of component in venoms across the animal kingdom, because in any form, it's a very active enzyme, and it's going to start doing some messed up stuff, Fry said. Calocrines are thus a natural starting point for theoretically venomous humans, end quote. But of course, it would take a lot for that to ever happen. A very long period of us humans failing to find food or mates, for example. 
Venom does kind of evolve with functions tailored to different species' uses, but again, we'd have to be facing an intense and prolonged crisis as a species for that to really ever occur. And while that's happened with other species, we humans long ago invented tools and societies that fill the needs otherwise solved by venom in some species. That said, quoting again from Live Science, understanding the genetics behind the control of venom could be key for medicine. Fry added, if a cobra's brain were to start expressing the genes that its venom glands expressed, the snake would immediately die of self-toxicity. Learning how genes control expression in different tissues can be helpful for understanding diseases such as cancer, which causes illness and death in large part because tissues start growing out of control and secreting products in places in the body where they shouldn't. End quote. So this study could have far-reaching implications beyond just the world of venom or possible human superpowers. Though, on that note, study co-author Agnesh Barua did say of venomous humans, quote, Essentially, we have all the building blocks in place. Now it's up to evolution to take us there. End quote. So on Monday, career journalist Neil King set off from Washington, D.C. to head to New York City. Now, while that trip is slightly more unusual in our pandemic times than previously, it's still not that weird. It's a trip tons of people make every day, by car, by train, sometimes by plane. Neil King, however, is going by foot. As of recording, he just passed into Pennsylvania. He's doing what he calls a slow stroll through the fast corridor. It's a 293-mile trip, the way that he's going, that would take him 98 hours without breaks. Unlike some people embarking on similar long-distance journeys on foot or on bike, he doesn't have any strict timeline or daily mile goals he's trying to hit. He said vaguely that he'd like to cross the Susquehanna by Easter, but doesn't seem particularly bothered by his pace. I've followed the adventures of a number of slow travelers taking cross-country journeys on their bikes or maybe hitchhiking, but those all tend to be younger artist types, punks, wanderers, not acclaimed journalists. So King's experience is a little bit different. And this has been pointed out a bit in the replies. While cheering him on, some women acknowledged that they would never feel safe doing this. King is a middle-aged white man who's clearly fairly well off based on the places that he's been staying and the fact that he can take an undetermined amount of time away from work to do this. I think that helps substantially with him being able to undertake this adventure safely, securely, and without worry of strangers being upset by his presence as he walks through their neighborhoods. And he is taking a bit of a different route than you usually see on these types of trips. He's taking a real historical perspective. He tweeted, quote, Off to take in a founding slice of America. Talk to her. Wonder at her. Maybe make a little sense of her. We'll paddle across New York Harbor before the end of April. End quote. As part of that desire to dig into a certain type of history, his route, which he shared on Twitter, is not a straight shot. He's largely avoiding major cities in favor of walking through the countryside. Most of the photos he's posted so far are of barns and cemeteries, little-known historical sites in rural towns. His first night, he stayed at the Only Inn, tweeting that it was, quote, "...the former estate of Harold Ikes, the second longest-serving cabinet secretary in U.S. history, and FDR's Secretary of Interior. FDR used to duck out here to play poker. I'll be crashing in his bedroom." End quote. 
King is also sharing photos and stories of people that he meets along the way, which is really cool, getting to kind of see that slice of American life. As his adventure picks up attention, more people are starting to recommend various places that he should hit up when he passes through their towns. It's just a nice adventure to watch play out on Twitter as it's happening. You know, it's not the most remarkable thing that anyone's ever done, but it's definitely a refreshing break to see something so inoffensive being shared on social media. He's N King of DC on Twitter. Link in the show notes if you want to follow along. All right, so Jason shared this as a quick link on Kotke.org last night, and it is absolutely brilliant. Ian Kelly, a video game programmer who does some audio engineering on the side, has created Slamilton, a basketball musical. It's a 48-minute-long Hamilton Space Jam mashup using the Hamilton soundtrack as well as audio clips from the Space Jam movie and some of the more iconic tracks from the movie's soundtrack. He pieced together a pretty inspired mashup. Let me just play you a couple of clips before I say more. Everybody get up, it's time to slam now. We got the real jam going down. Welcome to the Space Jam. Here's your chance. Do your dance at the Space Jam. Alright. Wave your hands in the air if you feel fine. We're gonna take it into overtime. Welcome to the Space Jam. Here's your chance. Do your dance at the Space Jam. Alright. Let me tell you what I wish I'd known when I was young and dreamed of glory. You have no control Who slams, who jams, who tells your story That's a nice pass, man You really got some skills, you might be plenty of them Thanks, Mike, but I'm gonna take this opportunity to retire from the game of basketball Who slams, who jams, who tells your story Kelly noted in the comments that some of the original vocals were done by his friends, including Tezza Belmond as Eliza there at the end Space Jam and Hamilton fans alike are loving the album so far, with one person on Reddit saying, quote, Lin-Manuel Miranda should give you his Pulitzer for this. You can stream Slamilton on YouTube in full, or if you want to throw Ian Kelly your support, you can also download it on Bandcamp. And this is not Kelly's only mashup work. He's got a handful of other mashup albums that he's made over the years. My favorite, besides Slamilton, is Neutral Bling Hotel, in my G4 over to sea. <laughs> Link in the show notes to check out that and his other works. And thank you to Ian Kelly for helping us all consider the real question of our age. Who slams, who jams, who tells your story? All right, so it's April Fool's Day today, and while some major corporations like Google wisely decided to abstain from their usual online pranking, there were still a few others who couldn't resist. Now, personally, I have always loved April Fool's Day, but the brand marketing version of it was getting a bit old, and I was kind of hoping the pandemic would have killed it off for good. Maybe it'll just be a slow death. In any case, here's a few that I have to admit were pretty good today. Lego introduced smart blocks, Lego pieces that scatter away when they detect your foot coming near them. Bud Light announced their new pizza line of hard seltzers with flavors including cheese, pepperoni, anchovies, and veggie. 
Apparently, this one hit a little too close to home with lots of people saying they'd actually like to try them. Duolingo released toilet paper rolls printed with language lessons, and they actually made a few of these for real that they were giving away on social media. Toilet repair brand Fluidmaster also went with the toilet paper shortage joke by advertising an emergency wiping rock that leverages technology from simpler times. It comes in various sizes as well as coarse and smooth varieties. There's also Satechi's Cybermouse that looks like Tesla's Cybertruck and Chosen Foods Guacamole Toothpaste. One of my favorites was VPN provider Surfshark's retro commercial for Surfshark on Windows 95. It comes on five floppy disks. Velveeta released a commercial for their new skincare products, although I think they really missed their shot by not including someone rubbing Velveeta all over their face in the commercial. And actually, I do have to admit that almost all of these were paired with really high production value videos that I think helped them hit the right comedic edge. You know, I think especially in our current climate, if you are going to do an April Fool's Day prank, it's gotta be obviously fake. And if it's obviously fake, so there's no trickery, how do you still evoke the spirit of the day? By making content around the fake idea that's actually funny and entertaining. That's what a lot of these videos did, you know, riffing on both bizarre zeitgeisty products and different cliche genres of ads. So if going forward this day becomes a time to just be a little creative and goofy but not try to actually trick anyone since so many folks are going through really hard times right now, I think that's a happy middle ground. Today is also National Burrito Day, which I am slightly disappointed to discover since I literally bought a burrito yesterday. Companies like Baja Fresh, Del Taco, Moe's, Southwest Grill, and more are all offering various promotions for the day. Link to a roundup of those in the show notes. Most of them require you to sign up with their rewards programs because nothing is pure anymore. But Chipotle is taking it one step further. So you may remember on January 12th, I mentioned all of the various Bitcoin investors who can't access their now super valuable Bitcoin because they literally just lost and forgot their passwords. Well, riffing off of that, Chipotle, today only, is running a contest called Burritos or Bitcoin, in which you are given 10 chances to guess a numeric passcode. If you guess the winning combination, you will receive $25,000 worth of Bitcoin, which is currently less than half of a Bitcoin. Three lucky winners will get that grand prize, 50 people will be getting $500 worth of Bitcoin, and 10,000 people will win a single free burrito. Now, this contest is so ridiculous that I'm still a little skeptical it could be an April Fool's Day prank, but Chipotle has said in response to queries on Twitter that they don't joke about burritos, and I've read through all the legalese and the official rules, making it seem pretty dang real. So, I mean, give it a shot, I guess. You literally just have to enter your email and hit a few number buttons, so you're not losing too much if it turns out to be fake. And if it's real and you win, hey, free burritos, or maybe half a Bitcoin. So yesterday, I shared a link of photos from vaccine sites around the world, and today I want to point you towards a New York Times article sharing a few vaccine photos from throughout history. 
There's the presidential photos, of course, including Barack Obama in 2009 and Gerald Ford in 1978, as well as that classic photo of Elvis Presley getting his polio vaccine back in 1956. But there's also an 18th century wood carving of Edward Jenner, the creator of the smallpox vaccine, administering it to a baby. It's pretty cool to see how far back visual documentations of vaccinations go, which is the larger point of the article, kind of a critique of critiques of vaccine selfies. So check it out at the link in the show notes. But that is it for today. As always, this show was produced by Ride Home Media and Kotke.org. I am Jackson Bird, and I will talk to you again tomorrow. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.